United States is often called a nation of immigrants. More accurately, the nation always compromised of both newcomers and those who worry about the impact of the newcomers. The relationship between newcomers and established families has always been, in some sense, filled with tension, uncertainties, and conflict. It has also been characterized at various efforts of accommodation and adaptation, often but not always, on the part of the newcomers alone. Education is the cornerstone of American society and the front line of social mobility for older and youth immigrants. Immigrants have what we call bimodal distribution of educational attainments. Some are highly educated in American universities or foreign universities and have received work permits due to those skills. Others, and especially illegal immigrants, have only a high school education or less, thanks to an immigration system that bases decision more on a country of origin and family connection than on employment-related skills, many immigrants would benefit greatly from educational opportunities. While expanding free adult education to any adults who are interested would mean taxpayer funding, and in many cases, strong opposition, in the long run, taxpayers will either come out ahead or at least get some of their investment back as the more educated workforce earns more pay, pay more taxes, collects fewer government benefits. Five elements to consider when it comes to recent or immigrants in general. Immigrants work at a high rate in jobs that are important to our economy and communities. The labor force participation rate for born foreign adults is almost 66%. That is compared to slightly over 60% for native-born. 64% of all foreign-born adults were employed, compared to roughly 60% of native-born. Immigrants hold jobs that are important to our economy and communities. Immigrant workers without a college degree make up 10% of all U.S. workers. In the United States, they reflect a much larger share of workers in many key industries. 36% of all workers in farming, fishing, and forestry are immigrants. 36% of building, grounds cleaning, and maintenance are immigrants. 27% of hotel workers are immigrants. 21% of home health care workers are immigrants. Immigrants who receive assistance have high employment rates. Most immigrants who receive benefits like SNAP or Medicaid are employed or married to someone who works. This is a sign that they are working in a very low-paid jobs. 77% of working-age immigrants, 18 to 64, have received one or more six benefits during during a fiscal year. Immigrants help support the aging population. Immigrants uh, bolster our national birth rate, which has recently dropped to historically low levels among the native-born population. Immigrant children show significant upward mobility. Data shows over the past few decades that children of immigrants have high or higher rates of upward mobility than children born in the U.S. So the conversation today takes us to a Ross Medical Education Center student in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Our conversation today will be with Suhair, who is a dental assisting student at the Fort Wayne campus. She is married with five children and will reach the halfway point of her program by the end of this month. So Hare and her family immigrated to the U.S. from Libya at the start of the Second Libyan Civil War several years ago. Her husband's employer was able to aid in in their relocation. After getting settled and helping support her family, So Hare decided to begin the journey towards her own goals by enrolling at Ross Medical Education Center. Important to note, So Hare graduated from a European dental school And if she stayed in Libya, she would be working as a full-functioning dentist. 
so Suhair, let's start with Libya. You know, if somebody never heard of Libya, doesn't know where Libya is, uh, do not know anything about the culture, the background, take maybe two to three minutes. Uh, it's your home country, so I'm sure you've got some good thoughts about it. Uh, but maybe take a couple yeah. minutes and walk somebody that has never heard of Libya um, of what they would be missing. Well, Libya is a Mediterranean country, and I came from the north part, which is exactly Mediterranean. And we are considered to be part of the Moroccan Arab countries. So we're now Middle Eastern, where the Moroccan part, where it's like Tunisia, Algeria, and Morocco, you know. Uh, we used to have a very stable place. I mean, it was a very good place for people to live. Education was free. Health care is free. Uh, so in general, we have a very spicy food. It's almost like Italian food. We use a lot of pasta. Um, things there, I don't know really what to start, but things there was really, I mean, good. Was What I considered most important for me was very safe. Like Libya was a very safe place to, to travel around. Like I am, you know, in the Arabic culture, I only have one sister. I don't have brothers. So it was safe to me to go like in the middle of the night to a duty shift in the hospital and nobody will just stop me or I feel scared or something going to happen. Not like nowadays, you know what I mean? Libya as a climate is a very varied climate as a place was really good before 2011. So something, I guess, in 2011, what happened in 2011? In 2011, where they, what they call it Arab Spring started. So for me now, it doesn't make any sense. So they call it spring, I call it the fall, where we start to fall down, you know. And for me, it has a big impact because I did seven years of dental school and then ended up, I had to compromise all of this, doing nothing because, you know, you need to balance the stuff in life. When you reflect on um, on the Arab Spring, and I think Libya then factions start fighting each other, uh, how close were you to the fighting? I was in the middle. I'm Tripoli. You know, the NATO bombing at that time and how the earth rocks under you and everybody doesn't know anything. Electricity is gone. Food is short. And you're talking about somebody who didn't leave the situation. Like, for example, when you talk about, let's say, Palestine, Lebanon, they have been through this for many years. You know what I mean? The instability, the electricity problem. This, But for us, it wasn't. So between day and night, you find yourself in the middle of the war and you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's next. You don't know what's going to get better. And it didn't. Since then, it didn't, you know. So before we, we get into the, your journey to the United States, um, talk about your school journey. Uh, I think you mentioned that in Libya you had free education. Uh, yeah. in, you know, in some conservative countries, women are treated differently. Um, so maybe talk about your your journey in elementary school, middle school, all the way, I think you went to dental school, and yeah. not just not just yours in general, but for women in general in Libya. So women in Libya, let's talk about comparing to other Arabs country, okay? We are not like the Middle Eastern. I'm talking about, let's say, let's compare it, for example, to Saudi Arabia, or like, let's say, we're not extreme. That's what I want to say. So women for us, you see me, I was dressing in jeans and, you know, <laughs> I mean, I just have to show my identity, you know, and it's not something you have to do. So this is because some people mix it up between being Arab, wearing hijab and the education. And, you know, for us, that wasn't the, the, the situation. 
you're a boy or girl, you study, you take the best for you from your parents. They would do the best for you, you know, like. How long, when did you start learning English? At what grade? Elementary, but elementary. It, it wasn't that strong, you know, as long as you don't practice the language, as long as the one who teach you is not the native, you know, speaker, I don't consider that much, but that was a big effort from my dad to do, you know? Yeah. So you talk the fact that you come from a highly educated family, uh, what was the what was the driver for your family to be so focused on putting you in school and making sure you go to college? To be honest, it's not only my family, my environment. So it's like it's something it's everybody. It's not only my family. I mean, that's not very common, you know, in the Arab world. I mean, what makes it different? You mean what's make it different for a Libyan to be like this? Or for your family, for your immediate family to be so focused on education? I don't know. But my environment and the people I know, it's just like education is the first thing. Because if you want to have value in life, for me, feed your brain. And then when you decided to go to college, what did, where did you go? Did you go to a Libyan university or a foreign university? So my dad, at that time, we were in Poland. My dad, he got his PhD from there. So in there, I didn't get a chance to have to do a dental school first because uh, in Warsaw, the capital city, there was no, like now, like now in Fort Wayne, I cannot do anything about dentistry because the school in Indianapolis. So the school there was in another city called Krakow. And you know, for us, I was only 18. I'm not going to go there by myself. It's, it's like, no, it's impossible. So I had to do a first year as a medical student. So I finished first year as a medical student because I didn't have option. And then I decided I'm going back to Libya and do a dental school. So you went back to Libya for dental school? Yes. Okay. And when did you when did you finish dental school? I graduated 2010. Okay. All right. And then so it was a beautiful 2011. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do anything. So 2010, you you are a dentist in Libya. How many kids did you have at that time? No, no, no. At the time I was single. You were single. All right. Yeah. So when did you I got married 2011. 2011 you got married and then yes. when did you move to the US? When did you move to the United States? We moved to state in 2015. Okay. February 1st. Okay. And I think right now you have five kids, right? Yes. Okay. So you, you had three kids um, and you moved to Fort Wayne. Is that where you landed uh, when you came yes. to us? And I think I was lucky enough to be in Fort Wayne, you know. <laughs> yeah. Why Fort Wayne? Is that where your husband's company is? Yeah, that's how the, the, the company sent him for the Indiana Tech. Okay. You know, but for me, Fort Wayne is a very good place for a, for when you're raising family. You know, I cannot be in Chicago or New York with little kids. You know, I need a quiet place. I need almost I do. I consider it safe. You know, I had really good time in here, so I like it. Yeah. Uh, from from the actual process of coming to the state, how does that work? Um, did you know where you're coming? Did you have a place? To it stay? wasn't complicated, sir. Because the company paid for everything. We came in the first class. The company paid for a year and a half, $7,000 per month. Okay. So you're talking about somebody came like, <laughs> and then the struggle started after when we decided like, you know what, we're not going back. Why, why did you decide not to go back? It's not safe, sir. Okay. It's, Just not, it's not a country anymore. It's, Malaysia, when you, when you, when you, I don't want my kids, I had a good life. I had a safe one. I had a perfect one. 
I don't want them to have this and then blame me one day that they had a chance to live in a good place and I took them back. Um, so here, talk to me about your adjustment in the U.S. and how your kids are doing in the school system. Compare to me what you think your kids are getting versus what they would have gotten in Libya. For me, to be honest with you, adjustment was like this. Not because I am easy to adjust, because to be honest, people here were so welcoming and nice. Nobody makes me feel different. Nobody, you know, was rude to me. I mean, rarely I can count them on my hand, you know, and it's not going to be even five times, you know. The most important thing, you don't feel like rejected. You feel like you're, you're accepted in here. So that makes everything easy. Is your goal to stay? I think so, so far, yeah, because I have been here for seven years. I, I want to have really peaceful life, you know. How's your husband adjusting? Um, does he have family back home? Uh, does he have a large yeah, family? Yeah, he does. Yes, he does. He does. But um, I think my husband, he's a dreamer. You know, when somebody just chasing the dream and he doesn't look anything else except, you know, he's yeah. like that. He's a hero. I call him a hero. He have done, he works in Warsaw. Every day from 5 to 5.30, something like we just hide by each other on the door, you know. And he has school at the same time in Pennsylvania. So thank God after the corona, he doesn't have to go to Pennsylvania all the time. So that's one of the advantage of the corona. Yeah. Uh, he's doing great in work, in school. And he's very caring and taking care of us. He never makes us feel like it's a burden or something. So does he miss miss Libya? He does. Of course he does. So what made you decide to go to school and what made you decide to go to a dental assisting? You're, you're a dental, you're a dentist by, you know, you can functioning dentist in Libya, right? Yes. But you know, when you are international dentist, it doesn't matter. You came from, you know, Libya, Europe, it's just the same process. Everybody going to go through and when I was thinking to start here in Fort Wayne, you know, dental school is in Indianapolis. That's one thing. Okay. The other thing is too expensive for now, at least for me. The third thing I was thinking, okay, let's start whatever I can catch, you know, because I need a refreshment. I didn't do anything 11 years. It's like dentistry is about a practice and you didn't practice. So uh, in Arabic, we say, asfur biliad. Means like I catch one bird in my hand better than having ten on the on the tree, you know. Yeah, we 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 say that here too. A bird in hand. Now I I hear you. you. Must have had conversation with your husband about going back to school, right? He's working a long day. He is actually the one who was pushing me to do this because he always feels guilty that I have to compromise this for the family, you know. Do you think you'll work in the dental field or are you going to continue into going to school? My dream since I wasn't before even coming to state or something, I always dreamed to be a professor in university. You know, even when I graduate as a dentist, I didn't really think about to work in clinics. You know, it's just that's my academic is my part. Now, the problem, I am in Fort Wayne, you know, and to, to do something, I have to be in Indianapolis. How would you describe your experience so far? You're halfway through the program. You know, how would you describe it? Good, bad, indifferent? What's your thoughts? It's good. It's good. And I believe that everybody does not, should not 
make everything looks down like in any ways like I wouldn't say oh I graduate as a dentist I'm not gonna go college as a Ross you know what I mean I know I'm gonna learn anything you knew anytime so I was open about this part that takes courage right I mean you're a dentist you went to university you got your dentist degree and now you're you're stepping back and learning dental assistance exactly it takes a courage in a way that you need to be in a peace with yourself or you're going to live in that, you know, struggle with yourself. Oh, well, you know what? I'm a dentist. I've done seven years. I'm like, I think this is, this is a bad ego. You know, this is ego in a bad way. And, and this is reflection in terms of immigrants. You know, immigrants come to the U.S. with a lot of high hopes and they face hurdles and they face challenges. Sometimes it's the language. It's sometimes it's, it's adjusting. You clearly came prepared. You already knew the language. You, you, you had the resources, at least when you showed up. Yeah. But are there some lessons learned there, Suhair, that you could share with people who are um, maybe recent immigrants and maybe they don't have the resources or they don't have the language? What, what lessons you would share with potentially recent immigrants? We go back for our beginning of our conversation education. People who come with a big hope, they're hoping that American government will do them their dreams. You have to be prepared and you do your dreams in a peaceful place. So when you are very educated, you work it hard and you have what to give for this country, at that time you get returned. But don't come with a big hope, have nothing, doing nothing, just give me life. Because life is about giving and taking back. Giving and taking, but just sitting there and hoping for the American dream while you don't have anything, I don't find this as good. People doesn't come prepared by language, by education, but at least work in a part of language, work in a part of getting a little bit knowledge of what you know. You know what I mean? Just not just sit there and say like, I'm hoping for this life. No. Can you reflect a little bit about the personal changes you had to make? What are the personal challenges that you've had to endure in the, you know, in the last seven years? I became a stronger person. Uh, I do C-section every time when I have a baby. I had to get up and do everything by myself and just like, here you go. I, I don't ask for people help unless if it is very urgent. And I, I, there was a time where we were like financially struggling really, you know, through the corona, my husband stopped from the company, you know, they were stopping the contracts. He was one of them. He had to work just delivery, you know, delivery at that time for four kids and renting an apartment. It's, it's a big deal. And we're working hard and hoping for yeah. things, but not just hoping for things without working hard. Where does that come from? I mean, you know, life gave you a curveball. Your husband decided to work delivery. You've decided to do a lot of things on your own. Um, you know, where does the strength come from? We both have the same goal. We both looking for a better life in a better way. Uh, we need to work in our kids, give them a good life. We don't want them to be traumatized or just. So because we have both this goal that we need the best for our kids, we're going to work hard. I might get a chance and go back to school. And, you know, when we both educated, we're going to get better, you know, level. So we, we get this patience from our dream. It's not because we're strong from one day and night. I know not every day is perfect and not every day is good, but you reflect on your experience the last seven years. Uh, what are the, I would say, maybe the, the really high joyful element in your life? And what, what were maybe the downside? What are some of the low, uh, the low times in your life? 
Well, the good times, like now we're going to have a good time coming. This May, my husband going to finish his master, which is a very good thing. Like you look back those two years and it's like, ah, oh, we catch it. It's there. And I don't consider this only for him. It's for me too, you know? Yeah. So this is one of the good times. Uh, the bad times, it's like when you cannot be around family in the, in the very hard days, you know, when you just have to share things through the video. So the last question, Suhair, and this is going to be more of a general question than, than you personally, but I would love to hear your take on it. In the, in the U.S., we have probably roughly 20 million college students, uh, students going to college, universities, post-secondary vocational training. I would say about one out of four are either recent immigrants or they're the kids of recent immigrants. So a substantial number of these students, one out of four live of, of their children live in poverty, live in, in really difficult circumstances. You know, you talked about education. It's that make that your first goal, make that your, your commitment to yourself and to your kids. Any advice that you would share with recent immigrants in terms of how they go about getting themselves and their kids into, into schools or, or better schools or better situations? And maybe reflect in terms of how you or your husband decided to continue your school and how you made your choices. I cannot talk about all immigrants because they came from different backgrounds, circumstances. But let's say about, you know, the Libyan who I know who were immigrants. Most of them, they share the same goals I'm telling you now. But what I can tell, work hard on yourself. Just don't hope. Hoping about being immigrants and things going to be pink. No, I found this very naive. So, so I said that was my last question, but I lied. I have, I have one more question. <laughs> you know, you went to, for you, healthcare was free, education was free in Libya. In, in the U.S., you, you got to pay for everything in, in yeah. outside of K through 12 when you get to community college or, you know, vocational or private school. Do you think in a country such as the U.S. where there is tremendous amount of resources that there should be some effort to help immigrant and, and the kids of immigrant go to school and be able to have the resources to take care of themselves and their families? Well, I think the government doing the best. When you put your school in public, kids, I mean, in public school, they still get education. Uh, okay, like for example, me in this situation, I take my kids to a polyclinic. I don't know if you have heard about like some place called the neighborhood. I know it's a it's a teaching, it's a training place, but still I can't get, you know, my kids to do their regular dental checkup and you know medical. As long as now they don't have really full coverage and everything, so I still can work it out. So I think it's the it's the individual choice. Government should not think about you. I think the only thing I see it um, like when you go, for example, to college or university, I see the fees are really high. I, I feel like if it is a little bit less, you will see more educator people, you know, but when it's going to be that expensive, everybody can afford this. Well, Sawyer, I, I will wrap this up by giving you maybe sharing with you, you know, how immigrants do in the U.S. Many of them come to the U.S. and many of them struggle. Within 10 years, they surpass the native-born, the, the citizens that are born here. Yeah. They go to school, 
They, they establish their academic credentials. They work hard and they work themselves through a lot of the challenges that, that you faced. I know your circumstances are different. You, you had to leave because of war. You had to leave family behind and you're highly educated and maybe not the typical immigrant story sometimes that we hear. But nevertheless, you've had to endure a lot. You've been willing to start over and build a future for your kids. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Thank you for inviting me. And I just want to end up this with, with something. Um, I think in the recent year, I really learned how to be very grateful and thankful for everything, the appreciation. Now I value everything. I appreciate every moment, every chance. So I am thankful. I am thankful and grateful. And I wish everybody works in the, on themselves before asking anybody else for I don't want to say help because it's okay to ask for help, but, you know, be ready. Yeah, That's what okay. I can say. It's, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to give help, but I, I'm glad it looks like you're in the right spot. People are kind and people are, are receptive. Thank you so much, Suhair, and have a wonderful Thank evening. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Good night. Thanks for joining us on Make the Leap. Make sure to visit our website, rosspodcast.com, where you can listen to all of our episodes and get the RSS so you'll never miss a show. You can also subscribe on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast platform of your choice. Join us next month for our next episode. Make the Leap is a production of Ross Education, LLC. Music by Coma Media.